Have you heard the news? Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure, the podcast, has made an incredibly fun announcement. Of course, that is our friendly sibling show. So if you haven't listened to Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure, go find it wherever you listen to podcasts because you're going to want to hear their newest announcement they have made on their latest episode titled Escape from L.A. And if you're listening to this way in the future, well, check out the announcement that they made at the beginning of their episode covering Escape from L.A. Welcome to Pumpkin Spice Podcast. It's a podcast hosted by me, Rob Schulte, and my buddy Graham Young. Hey, Graham. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Pretty good. Hey, well, you were talking to them, but uh, it's going pretty good for me. You know, still trying to work out this tagline scenario. We're recording on a on an off day. I mean, it's a great day. Every day is a great day when we get to record. But, you know, hey, if if our listeners have a tagline, send it in. Maybe we'll start using it, right? Yes. Um, you know, this is totally off subject, but I think I came up with the perfect tagline for the movie uh, Eight Men Out. Have you ever oh, seen it? No, I haven't. About the throwing of the World Series by the White Sox. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. Um, what's more American than baseball? Money. <laughs> I wonder what the tagline was for that movie. I looked it up at one time, but I can't remember. Yeah. The only uh, video or, uh, you know, sometimes it's on the poster. Yeah. Or the, you, the know, po- movie that, you know what image keeps coming up for Eight Men Out? The, What's that? Uh, contemporary classics image. And it looks like the most boring baseball movie you've ever seen. And it's obviously not. It's not. And John Sales is the main. And one, he hasn't made a horror film per se, but one of these days we'll talk about him. Uh, he's one of the greatest living uh, American film directors out there. But today, yes, we're talking about a movie. And Rob, I was thinking about how I was going to open this uh, discussion. And I, I said to myself, you know, this movie has held up so well, and that is so sad. Yeah, I totally. It, it, I almost feel like when I first watched Tales from the Hood, uh, you know, I, I talked about this a little bit at the end of the last episode, but like it, it felt very real to me, but it was so far away from growing up in suburban Missouri yeah. and also being what? 13 when it came out maybe like 13 and the scariest thing then was you're used to seeing david allen greer and all of these (laughs) like comedies and then you see him as a bad guy in this movie and it scares the crap out of you because we're so accustomed to laughing yes uh, instead of being scared of him oh totally and it's it's one of those things where it's like you know, unfortunately, uh, a lot of mistakes of the past haven't been fixed and we're not living in a perfect world. But like seeing it, I had 13 years of experience on the earth. Right. And I'm just averaging. Yeah. I don't remember exactly what age I was. But like 
13 years of experience. I've had more than double that now. And it's what makes the movie even more frightening, you know, living on this earth as an adult. And what a great idea for a horror film. You know, I always, in our, I think this is maybe the second time we've talked about this. We should never talk about it again. But in our writers groups, we talk about, um, if you're making a horror film, then you should write about what scares you. And this movie exemplifies that. It's just, it's, it's, um, it's some real life shit that's very, very, very scary. Um, before we get into it, I do want to say that this is an anthology film. Mm-hmm. What I've got what, the, uh, the summary from Letterboxd pulled up. Should I read that real quick? Let's do it. Um, chill or be chilled. A strange funeral director tells four strange tales of horror with an African-American focus to three drug dealers he traps in his place of business. So, yeah, anthology film. So we get uh, four tales told, but there's five stories overall, like the encompassing story of the The shell. Yeah, the shell, sure. Which I had forgotten becomes a story in itself by the end of this one. Yeah, the, it's so freaking good. And so it's kind of a riff on Tales from the Crypt. And so instead of the Crypt Keeper, we have the strange funeral director who's played who's played by uh, Clarence Williams III. And um, he almost outdoes the Crypt Keeper. Uh, his oh. performance in this is so wacky and so unhinged. You just... You can't stop looking at him or like listening to everything he says. It's almost like a Vincent Price thing where that's you took the words out of my mouth. It is very much like an updated Vincent Price. Like he he merged his own experience, Vincent Price and the Crypt Keeper and came up with this guy and just, you know, I don't want to get too much into the minutia of it, but even like as he's like got that cigar the whole time and like the flakes are all in his teeth and in his mouth and he just does not give a shit except for being this director of this funeral home and talking to these young men it just it sets you he's supposed to be spooky right but it like yeah he's in a weird way incredibly welcoming that's the genius of the character yeah it's it's so great uh (laughs) I think we could probably do the entire episode about just his performance, but that is certainly one of the highlights. But this film has five great stories with Mm -hmm. all with great characters in every single one. Rob, before we get into the segments individually, did you have a favorite? You know, interestingly enough, I was thinking back on this, you know, like sleepovers in the neighborhood when like HBO only had a couple of horror movies on. And this was one of them at the time. And I think we always remembered the David Allen Greer one where he's like the abusive stepfather. Uh, it's like, I think they all have sub names like monster in the house or something like that. But yeah. Um, so what you're thinking of, uh, boys do get bruised. That's it. Yeah. That's the name of the segment. I think it stood out to us because yeah, we only knew David Allen Greer as like a comedy actor, but also like, it's got supernatural elements to it, but that 
is like the era of like the ABC after school special. You know, we would have to watch the home or the uh, full house episode where the kid has a black eye and then Uncle Jesse has to talk to DJ about how he comes from this kid at his school comes from a troubled home. And then like in this, we're like seeing that in a totally different light. And we're kind of like used to seeing those sorts of like, you know, I, Graham, you and I grew up in an era where television had to educate us on things like that and not necessarily our parents. And well, parents in general gave up on parenting in the 1980s and yeah. just kind of let the TV do the work. Sure. And before and that, here we are. You no, know, who even knew? But, uh, but yeah, podcasting about it. But I think on this watch, I think the, uh, Corbin Burnson storyline sticks out a little bit more because I just am informed in politics more. But really, the final story, the like kind of clockwork orangey sort of one, really jumped out to me because I also think, you know, I'm watching this in my youth super late at night, probably starting to drift off and fall asleep by the end of it and then waking up at the like shocking surprise at the end. But uh, also that one probably just frightened me the most. So I probably was trying to go to sleep by that time, too. Um, I believe but yeah. that segment is called Hardcore Convert. Yeah. And, and there's so just I, I just pulled them up. There's Rogue Cop Revelation, which I think is much better than I remembered it being the first one. Boys Do Get Bruised. KKK Comeuppance is the puppet one that I think probably does stand out as the best one for me okay tied with road cop i don't know they're hard because they're also good and then yeah hardcore convert uh is the fourth one but yeah it's they're all really good in their own way it's hard to choose a favorite what about you uh i think the final one just because it hits the hardest yeah um and it see, see here's the thing about tales from the hood it's a lot of fun it's also incredibly insightful and there are parts that are legitimately scary. And when you get around to that third part, um, where the guy, uh, there's a scene where uh, a man is, is in a cell next to a white supremacist, uh, KKK guy. And it is legit unnerving. Yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, I like the, the, the final segment, although the great thing about, Tales from the Hood is that if you went out and asked people what was their favorite segment from the film, everyone would have a different answer. Yeah. Graham, did you recognize one of the cops from Rogue Cop Revelation? Okay. Yeah. One of them is Wings Hauser. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. There was a guy, he's got such an interesting face. I believe he's the final cop that is killed, and that's on the graffiti that we see at the end that is another familiar face who neither one of these are the cops i'm talking about you're talking about but, the guy with the mustache yeah, yeah, yeah okay yeah. who is that i didn't catch it uh he is looks like the spiders caught himself a couple of flies yes <laughs> which uh cues just a, a a blanket note graham i gotta say Anytime we, if you and I ever do like a live stage show of this, or if I'm ever asked to be on any sort of live event, you know how 
they say, choose your walk-on music, right? What's your walk-on uh-huh. music? I think it's a blanket rule, and I don't care who else does it. It should always be Comanche by the Revels. Yeah. <laughs> that pawn shop song just who doesn't matter. It's a good song to walk on to, but if you also know it from Pulp Fiction, it's also a hilarious song to be your entrance music. Hi, Craig here from the Bachelor Masters podcast. Do you watch the Bachelor shows ironically, like we do? Do you think critically about the socio-political ramifications of what occurs in the shows, like we do? If so, we're the podcast for you. We, the Bachelor Masters, combine deep dives into the show's problems with jokes and even some sound effects to deliver what we think is a well-rounded podcast you'll enjoy after every episode. So give us a listen, as ironically as you want, on your favorite podcast app. That's The Bachelor Masters, a bridge burner podcast. I was watching an interview with Rusty Cundiff and Darren Scott, the guys who wrote this movie. And they were like, you know, we wanted to shine a light and a mirror up to society. We wanted to tell this. We wanted to keep the movie spooky and fun while also keeping it relevant. But they also wanted to make sure that like, you know, sometimes there's too little too late. Like you, like in the first one, Rogue Cop Revelation. I had forgotten, like, without giving too much away, the outcome of the protagonist in that first story. And I think it's very, I don't know, I really thought it was smart that they didn't like shy away from that. This It doesn't hold back. I believe that the director, uh, Rusty, plays the teacher. Yeah, he does, in, in uh, the David Allen Greer one. Yeah, in yes, which is... Boys Do Get uh, Bruised. Yep, there you go. Yeah, he plays the teacher. He plays that perfect 90s teacher that you can tell, like, dads of that era would be like, you fucking think you know me? You know, that it's it plays into those tropes so much, you know, like, oh, it's you just feel it because, like, all this dude wants to do is help this family. He didn't want to get involved. Now he's involved yeah. and now he's involved too much. And now yeah. he really cares about the kid. Um, I have no evidence to back this up, but I would guess that uh, Rusty was at least a substitute teacher before taking the role. Because, like you said, when you think of 90s teachers, <laughs> that's yes. him, you know, yes. he's got the blazer to prove it. You know? Yeah. And, and just like a calming um aura about that person that's inviting and you can tell a person about your problems and they'll keep it a secret or try to help you or whatever. Yeah, Like it's just someone you can confide in. Here's a question about that storyline. When the kid, Walter, I believe is drawing the pictures of the monster. Do you think he's seeing David Allen Greer? Like, I know this is a little bit yeah, know, sure. out there because, you know, boys, draw pictures, right? I mean, girls and mm-hmm. children draw pictures. And I just find it interesting, like, if you think that's more of a motif for the movie or if the kid was 
I don't know, channeling something. This might seem a little out there. No, no, it's not out there at all. And honestly, I wish I would have done my research before we, 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 uh, recorded this podcast because I'm wondering if children that suffer from abuse, hmm. when they're asked to draw what happened to them or whatever, if their imagination goes to some type of monster or do they actually draw the relative? I, that's a really interesting thing. And I, I wonder if that was based on actual accounts of ch children that had suffered abuse and had drawn monsters instead of their mom or dad, or that's For how sure. they see them. Yeah. You know? Hey, if you're listening and know, uh, send us a DM on the uh, Pumpkin Spice Podcast Show Instagram account. Don't leave no, it as a, really a five-star review. <laughs> Please just tell <laughs> us so that we can talk about it on a future episode. Yeah, that's that's a really good question, Rob. And maybe we'll have an answer for that sometime. I hope so. There's another thing about Boys Do Get Bruised that I find interesting. I was looking up some trivia on this. And, of course, things get changed as you make a cut for the movie to play on television or, you know, it gets transferred to DVD or whatever. And apparently there's a version of this where, you know, after each story... Clarence Williams, the third's character, like shows the body in the casket. Yeah. And in this one, it's, you know, the end result of David Allen Greer, right? Apparently, there's versions of this. And I think the HBO version I saw was this that it is the young boy in the casket at the end. Ah. And that's so interesting because, like, why would that be the HBO version of it? I don't know, but I could see that for the television version, just for, you know, visual rules that are playing it on television. <laughs> well, yeah. And, you know, dead children are, you know, that's upsetting. That's spooky too, for sure. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Graham, who do you think? Okay. So we've, we've expressed that Clarence Williams III is probably the shining star as, he's MVP, man. Yeah, total MVP. But, but everybody's who, good. Yeah, okay. But is there anyone that, like, jumps out to you? Um, You know, gosh, yes. Um, The man, the, the main guy in the final... Uh, oh, yeah, uh, Hardcore uh, Convert. I think his name is Jerome. Uh, But, so... When he's kind of uh, going through this reckoning and sort of understanding this cycle of violence that exists in his community, um, you know, there's a little Malcolm McDowell there. There's a, yeah. you know, there's, there's some, like, you really feel his pain and it's not just a physical thing. It's a, it's a, it's a mental reckoning, like, mm -hmm. an understanding that you were, uh, a part of this awful, awful machine. Crazy I, K. Crazy K. I'm sure he yeah. has a real name that they called too, but I don't remember what it was either. I think it's Jerome Crazy K. Johns. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I think. Yeah, because I, I remember the doctor saying that to him. Yeah, anyway, when he's in solitary. And then also the, the doctor. Oh, uh, yeah. She's awesome. Like, again, there are no weak links here. Every all the characters are interesting. Um, it would be hard to skip past Corbin Burns. Sure. Cor How do you say his last name, Rob? I'm sorry. I think it's Corbin Burnson. 
Bernstein. Okay. Yeah. I, some, I keep on wanting, for, for some reason, I wanted to say Bernstein. But anyway, uh, Corbin. Um, I watched him on uh, an old episode of Celebrity Mole recently so that's i heard it okay well thank god for that show or this yeah, podcast I did not be... continue watching it uh but yeah corbin bernson star of what the dentist and the yeah. substitute yes i i always liked him in the LA major league law? films oh, okay yeah. la laws where is you know that that's the the job that pays the bills oh yeah um but yeah, in the major league films, he was great. Um, in this, he's really good. And I mean, the fact that you can draw so many comparisons and parallels to Trump is insane. Well, From a and- bad blonde hairdo, you know, <laughs> to just a crass, uh, racist idiot. Well, and his name is like the merger of two horrible racists as well. So, yeah, you know, like it's, Ugh, it's just like what you said at the beginning. It's like, wow, can't believe this movie is timeless. You know, in yeah, disgusting it's, sense. You know, I'm sh- I'm sure the studio who released it is like, yeah, this movie's timeless. We made a great movie, and it's like, no, it's it's timeless, and that's a sad thing. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not good. Um, yeah, I I was gonna ask you in that scenario where he's working with his like publicity guy on how to get a better look like you know it's kind of this continuation of the end of the rogue cop one of like you know you you're not helping at all you're actually hindering things i think they intentionally tried to make a bad joke yes and they make the joke about the gun yeah having it come from that character first hits different and how he says it than if they were to have Corbin Burnson say it. I'm so glad you brought this up because you're absolutely right. You know, there's so much stuff to talk about as far as Tales from the Hood. I, I just want to be careful that we're not forgetting any major things. It's hard to talk about these segments without spoiling them. Sure. Just know that um, there are four great stories with a bonus one, which is kind of like the the bookends, let's say, mm-hmm. for for the movie. And like I said earlier, it's legitimately pretty creepy, scary. Um, And, you know, it's insightful. And I don't think that the movie ever like rubs a message in your face. I just think that it it's just like this sort of commentary that you kind of groove with. Yeah. Um, It's not a movie where like the message is just like in neon lights, like in front of the audience the entire time. It's a smarter film than that is what I'm trying to say. You know, just to piggyback on that a little bit. First of all, I said Corbin Bernstein was in The Substitute, and obviously it wasn't Corbin You're thinking about Tom Berenger. I was thinking of Tom Berenger. I didn't want to uh, say anything. Yeah, but Corbin Bernstein was in The Dentist and The Dentist too. Uh, but no, I think that it's easy. You know, I look at myself being this young kid in middle America watching this and thinking this movie might be a little bit or not even think, you know, I probably thought it's like, okay, this is tongue in cheek. This is, you know, over the top, but I understand from the little history. I know that like it's based on real events, you know, we didn't experience a life like this. And I think it's easy as a kid to think like, Oh, is this over dramatized or, or dramatized yeah. for film? You know, 
and not knowing. But yeah, just to echo what we've been saying and what I said earlier, like watching this with many years under my belt, having moved to multiple spots across the country, it's like, no, it almost hits harder today than it did then. I mean, it especially yeah. does for me, but it, I'm guessing that each new generation that watches this movie will continue to find something with it that is incredibly scary and hits, for some, very close to home. Yeah, it's a great movie. It's well-written. It's yes. clever. Um, the funny parts are funny and the scary parts are scary, if we just put it completely on, yeah. the, on the page. It's paced so well. Yeah. I, it flows. You're never bored. Here's the thing. I've watched bad movies for other podcasts, movies that don't hold up. And just uh, one of my biggest complaints these days, it's not even these days, but just for the movies that aren't as enjoyable, is that like, why we got to slog through an hour and 10 minutes before it actually starts picking up the pace? You know? Yeah. And this did not do that at all. And maybe part of that's because it's an anthology, but also like they they could have had less than stories in here and they didn't they all kept yeah, going they're, they're all badass stories there's no weak link it's very similar to another uh horror anthology that i love creep show mm. and and so i would suggest if you like creep show check out tales from the hood in the sense that all of the stories are good and again there's no weak link yeah i do have to say Graham, and I know neither of us have seen them, but they did make a Tales from the Hood Part 2 in 2018, which, judging by the cover, Keith David seems to be your crypt keeper on that yeah. one. There's a third one, too. Which has, I believe, Tony Todd as your crypt keeper. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. And I think that the director... From the from the first Tales from the Hood did the second and third ones, if I'm not mistaken. Well, yeah, it looks like I'm pu pulling up Tales from the Hood 3. Same writers. Oh, no. Okay, he, yeah, he did. He directed both of and, those sequels. Well, Rusty directed and Darren directed part three. And then back to part two, same thing, co-directed it. So although Darren Scott only wrote the first one and Rusty directed it, they were just a team for the next two. And that actually brings me more comfort in watching those because although they're, you know, over a decade later being made, like same team, I'm down. I think that says a lot about them as professional creative types. Absolutely. You know. So, you know, maybe down the line we'll watch these and talk about them, but not quite yet. Because, Graham, I'm ready to choose a bus ticket. Hey there, have you ever watched a movie or TV show you're certain no one else enjoys? Is there a movie franchise that, despite some lackluster elements, you must consume it in its entirety? Are you tired of folks taking silly media just a little too seriously with their negative reviews? Then you've found the right podcast. Welcome to Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure, available wherever you get your podcasts. That's Bill and Rob's An Excellent Adventure, part of the Bridgeburner Podcast Collective. We
Okay, so as far as tickets today, we have three. Now, we have our leftover ticket from uh, Dayton, Ohio, which we can use whenever. It's getting dusty. Yeah. Then we have Globe, Arizona. Oh, yes. And then Louisville, Kentucky. Oh, wow. You know what? It's been on the docket too long. I'm. Let's head to Dayton. Okay, so... Don't freak out when I say this, because this movie is not technically a horror film, but it is. Okay. 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 Not technically, but it is. And it fits within our wheelhouse. Hey, Uh, I'm I'm here for experimentation. I'm the first one in the pool, Graham. Well, this is a movie that I don't think that you have seen, and it's something that I wanted to show you for a while. Um, It's called Deadbeat at Dawn. Deadbeat at Dawn. Uh, no, I have not seen this. 1988. Um, it took four years to film. Uh, Jim Van Beber uh, is the director, uh, writer, star, um, producer, makeup, stunts. The, the guy's insane. He's a regular and, uh, Barry J. Gillis. Yeah. I, I think that if Barry J. and Jim teamed up, you know, we might just split the atom again. Um, <laughs> but this movie is incredible. It is um, a film from the 1980s that I think really um, is the definition of independent American cinema, very underground film. It's uh, brutal, very nasty gang fights with um, special effects that would lead someone to believe it's a horror film. So it works for our purposes hell yes maybe one to watch on my own and not with the family um this one is really hardcore you know we've picked some pretty hardcore movies uh this season and so staying in that tradition um debbie to dawn is gonna be such a fun movie to talk about and uh God help you if you watch it after listening to us talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I look forward to it. Uh, Graham, I got to tell you before we close out today, I've been re-watching The Sopranos and listening to Talking Sopranos, um, which is a podcast that came out during lockdown. So, you know, it, it just goes to show you that, like, two guys talking on Zoom who are from the show, like, as long as the conversation's good and they're talking about something you enjoy, whatever. Yeah. But, uh, man, I probably haven't watched that show since it came out. And having these talks with you about craft and whatnot and then listening to that and then rewatching it, much like, you know, I was probably the age I watched Tales from the Hood when I first started watching The Sopranos or shortly thereafter. Yeah. And... Man, it hits different. It hits so different. Yeah. You know, watching as a younger, I think you were just kind of anticipating the mafia-related parts, the hits, the kills, all that kind of stuff. But when when you come older, you start to recognize that the show is sort of a dissection of the nuclear American family and um, the parts with – Tony and Dr. Milfi, yeah. uh, those are the highlights of the show, which when I was younger, I don't think I really understood or, or I, you know, probably took that for granted. 
I just couldn't connect all the dots too. Yeah. Didn't have that life experience. And then also be like older now than Tony was when the show starts. He's really weird. shock to the system. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, oh, um, yeah, great show. Uh, classic if you're rewatching it uh look out for that david chase uh, cameo oh i don't okay i don't know where that is but i'm looking for it's it it's in the third season but we'll talk about oh, it i just it. finished the third season i'm almost done with season 4 so okay so do you remember um i don't know if the audience is going to appreciate this or not but i hope they do they get this little extra amouge bouche at the end of this episode there you go of just just rambling but um so in season three of sopranos they go to italy yes, yes. okay and paulie is having an espresso by himself outside at a cafe and he he turns to a man and says commendatory uh-huh. And the guy turns around and looks at him like, who the hell are you to talk to me? And that's David Chase. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. You know, and one final thought, and then we'll close up today's episode. Okay. Um, I just find it very interesting that like, especially Polly specifically, they work so hard and like being these guys and being made men and like wearing nice suits. And he lives in a shithole. Yeah. You know, like he just, he has one chair with a TV tray and he watches boxing all the time. And that's yes. his head. He has a vacuum that's manual, you know, like, yet he shows up to work in this like nice double-breasted suit, washing his hands and gets his hair done and shit. But like, Priorities. Yeah, exactly. He's got to look good on the outside of his house. Yeah. Uh, Cares what your house looks like. Just go around looking... We're, you know, wearing those three-piece suits, man. You'll be all yeah. right. You'll be fine. Johnny Sack loves you. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, this has been another great episode of Pumpkin Spice Podcast. If you'd like to support the show, we'd love a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, click the link in the show notes to show some love. We'll be back next time on this same channel, same damn place. Same damn channel, same damn place. We're going to watch easily... The most insane movie to come out of Dayton, Ohio, and possibly the entire United States. Oh, I'm so thrilled. All right. I'll see you later, Graham. All right. Take it easy.